Hey there, all you creators. Welcome back to the Do What You Love show. Today, we have special guest in the studio to talk with us about life, business, and songwriting. Her name is Jessica Page, and she's been described by Gautier as enchanting from top to tail, sublime, and totally mesmerizing. Ben Harper claims that it's so great hearing a young voice with so much songwriting ability, Jessica is going to do well. John Butler says, outstanding talent, she's the real deal. She's a winner of the Australian Songwriters Association, the Music Oz APRA Songwriter Award and APRA Screen Awards nominee. She has also been nominated for Best Song Composed for Screen, working in collaboration with producers Daniel and Gideon Frankel and composer Alex Werman and co-written with Van Dyke Parks. Singer-songwriter from Melbourne, Jessica Page. Welcome to the Do What You Love show, the place where musicians, artists and entrepreneurs share their inspiring stories and advice on how to succeed in the music business. Every week you'll receive new insights and tips on how to grow your following, get more gigs and make a living in today's rapidly changing music industry. Thanks for tuning in with us. Now, let's begin the show and do what we love. So in the studio today, I'm really excited to have an artist by the name of Jessica Page, who was someone who was referred to me through Jimmy Couples, actually, and she's here to talk about life, music, and the business of music as well. So welcome, Jessica. It's great to be here, Steve. So tell us a little bit about your situation, what you do, and yeah, give us a glimpse into your personal life. Okay, so at the moment I'm focusing on writing for other artists and for my own album. It's going to be released later this year. I'm helping Jimmy Couples with some writing for his album. I'm also writing music for BBC TV with my friend Jay Petrona and uh, writing music for ads with my friend Jesse Morant. Basically just trying to get into that side of music more, that kind of side of the business because... I like writing as opposed to performing. I perform to make a living, but one day I'll just work in the studio, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so you're in your early 30s now and you've yep. been going at it since your young teens? Yeah, yeah, I started writing when I was 12 and I uh, started, I guess, winning, winning awards and things like that for my writing when I was around 15 so, you know, awards don't necessarily lead on to more work. You just have to keep plugging at it, you know, making contacts, making friends. Kind of thing. And this is what I really want to talk to you a lot about today in terms of that building relationships because, you know, you've been through the industry. I guess you've worked in across with quite a number of different artists and collaborating and it's mm-hmm. taken you to where you are today. Um, and just based on our you know conversation earlier, Jessica, there is a bit of a backstory, you know, and some of the struggles that, you've had to um, conquer and, and break yeah. through to, to really take you to this And still point. working on. <laughs> yeah, and aren't we all? Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, this is what I'd love for you to share with some of the young, uh, younger emerging artists out there today. But um, tell me, before we get into that, mm-hmm. tell me a bit about, um, some, I guess, what you're currently working on that's exciting at the moment, that really excites you. Well, I really enjoyed working on rock kind of music for Jimmy Couples um, because I had to do some research and 
stuff like that. I was trying to f- find out what's relevant today musically, but also will resonate with him as an artist who he's 54. So I wanted him to be relatable to a vast array of age groups, not just people that are like 40, 50, but young people, older people. So I thought about it. I figured out he told me what he liked, like Led Zeppelin and some other artists. I looked into them and I tried to listen to artists. I can't remember what the names were, but there was a certain artist that was taking elements of um, kind of using, say, a 50s condenser mic, mixing it with modern-day kind of guitar sounds and maybe a rock drum sound from, like, the 90s. So, you know, just did a little bit of research and thought, well, what's really relevant today? And somehow I came to the conclusion that something more like Powderfinger, (laughs) how I got there from, like, Led Zeppelin, who knows? But um, there was a process. Uh, So Powderfinger, but um, so those kind of uh, contemporary rock... But, his, but Jimmy has such a huge range that I was like, okay, we've got to make use of his huge range as well. Mm. So that was great. It was great being able to work to such broad parameters vocally. So to me that's very exciting. Um, there are times like when I need to look into music like certain music I don't really like to write for certain things like maybe ads or TV and you know what I mean and that's not it's okay it's okay but like that feels a little more like work so okay let's talk about this right because a lot of musicians and songwriters out there that are going okay I've probably you know written some songs for a couple of jingles or about to get into some kind of short films Mm. and you know a lot of the listeners out there are, are just looking for ways to monetize their their um craft and their talents What's the thing that I guess you would want to share with all the artists and songwriters out there that um, they need to hear in terms of their approach when it comes to looking for ways to monetize their talents as a songwriter? Well, I'd probably say you can't be everything. Focus on what you're good at. Be very aware of where you might be lacking. Like maybe it's your production skills. If you listen to an ad or if you listen to a piece of music and your music isn't up to par in that way, I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, spend 10 hours or five hours a day becoming a better producer. I'd probably say work with someone that's a better producer. And why why would you say that? Because in the process of working with someone that's a better producer, you're going to be learning more efficiently than you could learn by yourself. Um, straight away you're going to have a product faster. You know. Do you think people, musicians particularly, uh, are a little bit afraid of asking for that help and seeking that guidance from people? Yeah. I think that if you feel worried about something, it's probably a sign that it's going to help you grow. So I wouldn't let that fear get in the way. I'd probably take it as a little flag, okay, well, I've got to do this. And like, but also there's the other side of it. If someone's not a nice person, it doesn't matter how good they are. If it's going to get in the way of you being able to do your best work, 
There's always someone out there that's nice and it's just as good. You just need to find that person. And this, this topic really is prevalent uh, amongst a lot of um, topics that we talk about, which is the five people that you associate with in your, let's say, your average of the five people that you hang out yeah. with mostly. So if you're working with a great producer that's going to inspire you, teach you, challenge you, mm. um, and then perhaps, you know, an agent that's also someone you know, who's going to challenge you and inspire you to grow, um, you know, and perhaps, you know, people like collaborations like Jimmy Couples who's got wealth of industry experience, mm. then you're being... Uh, nurtured and you're growing in that whole process yeah. uh, and everyone's winning. Yeah. And, and this is um, – can you tell us a little bit about that that journey for you in terms of finding the right people to work with and perhaps if there was ever a moment when you had to drop someone out of your circle and go, but no, there was a bigger yes. And by saying no to that person, there was a bigger yes for you and for that person. There have been moments like that. Though generally now, you know, I might say work with the super nice people and I do, but also sometimes you just need to employ people for a certain amount of time and in that case just work with the best. You know what I mean? If it's only a certain amount of time and if you're, you have creative control. Mm-hmm. But... um. Yeah. Sorry, what's the question again? <laughs> That's okay. So I guess choosing your people, your friends wisely and knowing the difference yeah, between the friends that and are professionals gonna, yeah. and, and getting a job done, you know, that grey area in between. Yeah, there's the people that are going to be around you um, 24-7, more frequently. They need to be positive. They need to be good at what they do, but they need to have a positive attitude it's so important. If they don't have a positive attitude, your attitude's going to start to degenerate, you know? So yeah. what, if, what, if, what if that's happening? Let's say, you know, someone close to you is um, you're living with this person. Yeah. Uh, how do you pull yourself out of that scenario? Like what, what do you need to summon and do to, to make a change in your life and step outside that bubble that's holding you back? Yeah. What have you done? Oh, well, I was pretty extreme. I don't really do things by halves, I guess. So it was my dad was very, he wasn't very nice to me. And um, living, you know, I still have the issues I deal with today because of it. And I cut him out. I don't see him anymore. Yeah. And it's good because my attitude, even associating with someone that's bullied you, it doesn't matter how many years ago it was, it's like you become that person you were around them when you're around them. So it's not about them. It's about you being your best person. Your life isn't about them, you know. And can I ask you this question? Was there a point when you had to actually say, I come first? Yes. Yeah, and I yeah. And to, to, to really give you the energy to pull you away from someone that's so close to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, uh, is, is yeah, that... there was a point, yeah. Yeah. And did you see that within, I guess, someone else out there treating, you know, look, taking care of themselves? Or was yeah. there a point that someone inspired you to say, hey, Jess, like, you come first and if you're not taking care of you, no one will. So mm. you're number one. Yeah. Your health, your mindset, and yeah. you can have, you have full control over the people that you live with and you surround yourself with and you talk to. Well, yeah. Well, it's a good thing there's the internet these days. 
I was on the, what's it called, the Narcissistic Abuse Facebook page. I think it was something like that. I'm talking about some people, they're never going to change. And all the people that had cut this toxic person out of their life were doing a lot better. And I thought, hell, I'm going to do it. And here I am. A slightly sleep-deprived but happier version of myself, you know. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and it's, you know, I think all the listeners out there listening to this, um, you can take away that one piece of advice, which is, you know, treat yourself, value yourself and your, your environment above anything, because mm. if you don't, then someone else is going to take control over that. And yeah. it, it's ultimately you took responsibility yeah. within that. And, um, it's very powerful. So thanks for sharing that. And like, that's the thing too, even if you don't have respect for yourself yet, It doesn't mean that you can't take the steps like you respect yourself or that you can't just try and think of yourself as the advice you give your best friend, you know. Yeah. So so it's a process, it's a bit of a lag, I guess, in Mm. this. How you feel lagging behind your actions. Yeah. 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 You just need to do the actions. Absolutely. A bit like when you trick the brain into smiling, you physically Mm. do it and then all of a sudden you're you're laughing and you're smiling, you're feeling better, you know. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Jessica. So was would, would you say that that's your most powerful breakthrough in your life and journey as a musician, as an artist? Probably yeah. up until now, but it's going to continue kind of getting better. You know, I'm slowly feeling better and better, even about performance and stuff. Like I'm not sure I'd be a person that just wants to be in a studio if I hadn't suffered like I had. So there's always maybe one day I'll be able to perform on a big stage. Like I had a lot of big opportunities and I wasn't able to take because of these issues. So, you know, who knows? Maybe one day I will be able to perform on a big stage or maybe I won't. But I know now I'm allowing myself to do what's more comfortable than I used to, which goes against what I said. If something feels awkward, you know, but there's awkward and there's kind of like, Dread, <laughs> you know what I mean. And there's challenges that inspire you, and challenges that don't. Yeah, exactly. Well. And when I guess they align to your highest values, and you're clear mm. on those values first, mm. then you seek out those opportunities, and you find alignment as opposed to some kind, uh, some kind of dissonance in, exactly. in, in com- conflict of values, whereby you're seeking something you think is important, but yeah. you're not being true to your values. Exactly. And that's what I see a lot of young. Um, artists do out there unfortunately Mm. you know with social media and everything that's happening today on the internet it's so easy to get consumed and live in 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 an external reality and base your values of what is external rather than what is internal and intrinsic yeah and um you know that's where all the self-development and self-reflection uh whether it's meditation whether it's you know saying no Mm. and bringing yourself to that point are the the key milestones to take you into the next level each time throughout your journey. Just being truthful with yourself. Like some things, you know, maybe you're someone that maybe you've worked all your life to become a great musician, but maybe that doesn't mean you have to be on a stage. Maybe you can be using it in different ways. Or maybe you want to be on the stage and you want to focus on that and the best way to do that is to co-write or have someone else write with you. But, like, be very truthful to what... You're great at, yeah. you know, focus on what you're great at 
you can work on what you're not great at, but try to deliver a package of what you're most excellent at. Right. And that's the thing that's a really good point that you made, Jessica, because we, we, we find this talent, we know we love music, mm. but then to articulate what that is and package it and sell it to mm. people is where the difference between people who are amateurs and pros. Yeah. So when was that in your journey? When did you realise, hey, I'm good at songwriting here. Yeah, yeah. I can use this. I can charge, you know, whether it's hourly fee or per project, and I can make a full-time living out of this. Where was that point for you? Uh, well, I guess in a way I've always, ever since I made CDs, I've made money from them. But as far as making money writing for projects for people... I've always known you could do it. Like my dad wrote music for John Farnham and did a whole lot of stuff like that. He's a very good musician. And so I've always known you can do that. But I've also known that when you're writing a song, you want it to be appealing to people. If your song doesn't appeal to people, your message isn't ever going to get across. And that that's what you want. It's not about, what's it called, self, you know. Feeling... Yeah, yeah, fulfilling your yep. own. It's about like giving back what music's given to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's talk about this because we, we have a whole module on um, connecting and sharing your message with people, defining mm. your cause and finding your why. Yeah. We, we take um, artists through a 20-week uh, personal development mm. um, journey to help them strip back the layers of what's external out there and then actually mm. being honouring their authentic self, having a cause and, and, a, and a real reason and then packaging that up into a message and being able to identify their gifts with what the world needs yeah. and what the market needs. And that's where, you you know, you have an alignment and that's where you have a sale. Yeah. So we're, tell us about that. Let, let's, let's go deeper into that and tell us what it was that you discovered about you that you could then articulate and package and then mm. that made you unique in a, in, a, in a sense that people would want. Yeah. Well, I guess whenever you record something, just do it well. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Pretty broad. However, it's a lot to do... Writing great music has a lot to do with the way the mind works. Now, your brain... There's a reason why um, orchestral pieces are written like they're written. You know, introducing one melody at a time... Uh, introducing maybe a section of instruments or one instrument at a time. It's because your brain can only deal with so much information at once. And you'll find that by the end of an orchestral piece, there's a lot going on. But you're able to comprehend it all because it's all being introduced slowly. Um, like there's a lot of little tricks, like even, even things like giving the ear space. If you have a very busy section in a song, say it's the verse and it's, double time and quite wordy, don't make it like a seven-bar kind of thing into the chorus. Keep that extra bar. Have the eight bars. If something, say, a double-time kind of melody and you're going into a chorus, the chorus has to have space. Don't keep it double-time. Change it. Whatever way you change it, you know. If it's a double-time melody, you're probably going to want to change it to, like, half-time, longer melody, longer notes. Things like you know, it's it's just the way the brain works. So in your experience, let me get this right, you your familiarity with the way the brain works has has been a 
a factor that's helped you create mm. success because you're working with people on a, on a psychological level so that the music is relatable, that they can comprehend everything they're yeah. hearing. Mm. And then do you then, uh, like your collaboration with Jimmy Couples, you know, are you then looking at somehow creating this soundtrack through the music to represent his personal brand? And, well, that, but also to, if you're writing music for an artist, you want it to resonate with them. So I got to know Jimmy and learn about his life and write things that would be applicable to him. So what are some of the questions you asked Jimmy in that process? Me see, we had a lot of conversations. Yeah. Like it went on and on and on. And it was uncanny. He's had similar experiences to me in some ways. So, you know, like a couple of times, one time I wrote a song and I was like, hey, Jimmy, this is totally about you. And then I, the next day I was like, mm, these lyrics aren't working for me. And I wrote it from my point of view. And then I said, okay, now it's totally about me. But it relates to you in <laughs> these ways, you know. So it's good. I also like to, for some reason, when I write from a guy's point of view, I like to write like there's some kind of sex god or something. I don't know why this happens. But, you know, I'm like, feel good about yourself, you know. And it's great to hear them sing this music like... I'm fantastic because people want to be watching an artist up there. If they're an artist like Jimmy Couples that does kind of like rock, pop, people want to find him sexy. It's just how it, it is. It's what people love. It's yeah, what yeah. People especially about people. that big, yeah, yeah. those big notes and, yep. yeah. Okay. So that you're, uh, yeah, I guess you're aligning the music with the, the, um, characteristics of you know of a, of a man who yeah. you know can portray that sex appeal yeah yeah and it's the whole package and you're you're going over step by step to trying to find exactly what is i guess unique about that artist yeah and what they stand for and it's um and then you know turning that into the soundtrack and it's very aligned to what mm. we believe and, and kind of preach here at usm yeah. which is we talk a lot about lady gaga and you know, she's got this incredible mystique and she's, you know, a great singer and a dancer, but not the most amazing singer and, and dancer in the world. I, mm. I believe there are certainly better singers out there, you know, Aretha mm. Franklin and some pretty amazing singers and mm. dancers. And so you, you kind of ask yourself, well, what, what's, what is it about Lady Gaga that draws you in? Well, there's there's two things. There's, there's this mystique and yeah. it's also that's her mystique is tied to her story and her story is what's selling and driving the yeah. followers because she stands for something bigger than her that's relatable mm. to all of the audience with, you know, bullying and, and yeah. being, um, you know, abused as a child yeah. uh, and then being told that, you know, you're different. Yeah. And I guess this has been the reason for her purpose, which yeah. is now solving that problem and giving people permission to be that monster. Yeah. And by breaking through that, she's now created her music, which is a soundtrack to her story yeah. and her journey. And that's 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 exactly. the approach that we take. Um, the music, like you said, has to be well produced and all that. It has to be mm. great. But if you don't have the essence of the story to, yeah. to work with from the beginning, mm. your people don't have imagery in their mind and we only think in terms of images and we can only mm. buy things when we can see things. Yeah. And I think that's the psychological alignment oh, yeah. that – you understand as a songwriter 
um, and that we you know we really try to put out there to all the yeah. artists out there because it's it's so much more than just you know getting lost in the music. Oh yeah, like I always say, like to young young songwriters, you know, a picture paints a thousand words, so paint a picture with your words. You only need to make a sketch. The human mind will fill it all in. You know, they'll relate it to themselves as well. There are so many songs that different people get different things from. Mm. And there are other songs that it's very clear what mm. they mean. But it's just it's just incredible. Like, song, it's just the most amazing thing, being able to write music. Sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Nothing to be apolog- apologetic about, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful. And it seems like you've really um, got so much... Um, wisdom to share and I really thank you for sharing a lot of that and going into those like multiple layers of um, you know dissecting the music in the orchestra because I think when you can get to that level as a songwriting that crafting and mm. tie that in with the, with the marketing aspect then you've got mm. a, a great alignment and you can start to really um, you yeah, know, yeah. hit hit uh, attract the market yeah so well that's the thing in in all songs and in all music there and even in all artists that are songwriters there are things that are kind of like tells. Like certain artists will generally, they, they'll subconsciously go to a certain place. Like I was listening to, oh, who is that guy, Thirsty Merc, the other day. And I used to listen to them when I was young. And I liked their music because they had this point of interest. But I realised, listening to it and analysing it as the adult I am today, that their point of interest that they use in their songs is generally just going down a fifth. You know what I mean? And it's like I, I realised that's what they do every time so far for their points of interest, like with their chord structures. So that's interesting. And, like, every artist has something. Even I have things that I do, like my phrasing, like the way I speak can be a little bit disjointed because I'm dyslexic and I've got this thing called namostociosis or something. And um, so the way I speak, I'll listen to myself back on these things and I won't put sentences together in a flowing way the same way some other people do, you know. But I realised I use my... It applies to the way I phrase things. And that's cool, but it was also like I don't ever want to be nailed down so it's also something that I can look at and work on as a songwriter to make sure that no one can pin me down. There's not going to be anything that is a tell that it's one of my songs, you know, which might sound strange to everyone, but if you're writing for other artists, you want to know you can transcend that. And I guess that's really about moving with the times being able to grow, continually adapt to change. Yeah, to grow. And to work with other artists. Yeah. In your ability to work with different levels of interests and abilities yeah. is your strength and is where, the I guess, the demand for someone like you would would come about. Hopefully. And, um, and that's your, I guess <laughs> that's your, your, your one of your unique points of difference. Maybe, maybe. In, in itself. The, and the it's just, that, yeah. Yeah, just a recognition of have you got a habit? When you write, is there something that you tend to do there will be something and even when I overcome my phrasing habit there's going to be something else and there will always be something and that's the great thing about songwriting because there's always a new way to go and there's always new things to try like next it will be 
I want to work on my chord progressions because I realise I'm doing this kind of thing where I'll circle it around, going to the relative minor, like in the second part of the progression and starting off, I don't know, it's hard to explain without writing it out, but you know what I mean? And I've recognised that I do this. So next stage is to figure out how to transcend that. <laughs> and challenge yourself to, to go to the next level, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, really good stuff, Jessica. So, uh, thank you so much for, um, for the, your time today and coming oh, to the studio. Oh, thank studios. you. It's been um, wonderful. I'd like to ask this one question with all of our interviewers um, on the show. What's the one piece of advice you wish to share with uh, all the musicians and artists who were, let's say, back in you know, their early 20s or just starting out? Mm. There's one piece of advice that you want to share with them that's going to help them on their journey to eventually make a living in the music industry, what is that one piece? Find your people. Find your people. Find that community that resonates with you. Yeah. Well, there you go. All you creators and listeners out there, Jessica has shared with us some really cool value statements here today and based on her journey, one of the most important things is find your tribe and your community of people, the right people that are going to support you and challenge you to become a better version of yourself exactly thanks so much for joining us today jessica no worries thanks for having me